Debate about whether we should go and colonize Mars. Debate about whether the quantum internet is a real thing. A tragic police shooting in Florida. As well as COVID-19 madness throughout Europe and Australia. And how the solutions have never been easier. Go ahead and smash that like button and subscribe to the channel. But only subscribe to the beliefs that empower you. Please comment below. Help us make this news program even better right here on Waking Infinity News. Welcome back to Waking Infinity News, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Ben Stewart. I'm going to start us off on a trajectory towards Mars. German film director Werner Herzog is saying he does not agree with Elon Musk's idea of colonizing Mars. So he's basically saying the whole notion is an obscenity. Why aren't we spending all that money and all of our attention on the very planet that we're experiencing a lot of troubles with right now? And many other people have been echoing that very same notion for quite some time. We have always been the explorers of the unknown. And if we have the ability to go to another planet and potentially colonize it, why wouldn't we be doing that? Well, here's the first thing I want to mention. Could we get rid of the word colonizing? All right? We know what colonizing did to this planet. We know what it did to indigenous around the world. This isn't to push white guilt, but there is that whole stain of colonization that we've seen in the past. So could we get rid of that name if we're going to be sending people to Mars? I have no problem with that. I love the idea of technology. I love that we have this exploratory spirit inside all humanity. So I say, go for it. And I say, Werner, calling it an obscenity, that don't speak for the rest of us. We have this spirit. We wish to go and see new places, try new things. I do believe that technology and also the powers that be should be solving issues that are right here, right now on this very planet. However, I also believe that the powers that be are humanity. I do not believe that that elite 1% are really the ones in control. They're just the, like the virus that's attacking the immune system of a much more powerful agent that just happens to be asleep. That's us. Okay, so away from that news, what's happening with the quantum internet? I might have told you guys before that the third annual Chicago Quantum Summit is calling in this thing called the quantum economy and the quantum internet. Now, why the quantum economy? Well, quantum computers may actually be better at understanding not just the exactitude of numbers, but the flexibility of value that comes along with economy. Obviously, dollars only have the type of value that we give it. Gold only has the value that we give it. Now, yes, you can do things with gold that you can't with money, but yes, it is still something you take from the earth and it is still something that other people need to agree upon for it to turn into value. So. The quantum computing happens to be better at mapping out how humans might behave in a digital economy, how we communicate, how we exchange value. So a lot of entrepreneurs are actually setting up their digital economic models to figure out what to do in the coming 10 years. Mind you, 2020 to 2030, this is my prediction, is going to be the biggest decade of all of our lives, bar none. Every single one alive, everyone capable of watching this right now, this next 10 years will be the biggest decade of our lives. So 
what about the quantum internet? There's a lot of people that were laughing. I've seen a bunch of videos of people saying, quantum internet, that's silly. I mean, you're already using fibers and you're sending information through the fibers. What the heck is the difference? Well, there's several differences. And one of them actually has to do with if you're sending information through fibers, you can use qubits instead of bits. A bit is one or a zero, but a qubit can be a one or a zero or a one and a zero at the same time and combinations of them. This is what superposition and quantum mechanics teaches us. However, another principle in quantum mechanics is entanglement. Very interesting how two particles that were once together, once they are split, can be sent to other sides of the universe, probably, and in real time, they can communicate with one another. Well, quantum computers are having this issue with the lag time between communicating something and the, getting a response from the other entangled particle. Also having issues with memory. However, apparently, in the next five to 10 years, we will see not just two orders of magnitude, but probably four to five orders of magnitude growth in the amount of processing speed and memory inside quantum computers being able to communicate through this thing called the quantum internet. Quite interesting. Now, the reason why I mentioned there was a shooting in Florida is because I wanna take this particular narrative in a very specific direction. In Florida, there was a shooting a police officer shot at a car eight times and killed two teenage boys, one being Sincere Pierce and the other being A.J. Crooms. Now, I'm going to show you the video here in a little bit. Don't worry, there's no blood. You can't actually see the violence of it as far as the gruesomeness, but it still doesn't make it any easier to watch. It's pretty sad when you hear the story of it, actually, because this officer, as you'll see, had the option not to shoot, and he chose to. Here it is. Stop the vehicle! Stop the vehicle! Stop the vehicle! Stop! 1033. Stop the vehicle, goddammit! Stop! Stop! Now what you heard at the end of that video was Mrs. Green shouting at the police officer. Mrs. Green was the caretaker of Sincere Pierce since he was two years old, like a son of hers. She was getting in her car at the same time that A.J. Crooms and Sincere Pierce were getting in their car. They both left roughly at the same time. But Mrs. Green saw a police cruiser starting to follow Mr. Pierce and Mr. Crooms. So what happened from there was she followed them until she saw the standoff that happened that you witnessed and as soon as the firing started, she got out of the car and started yelling, please don't shoot, that's my baby. Please don't shoot, that's my baby in the car. 
As we know, both individuals in the front seat were killed. Let's just take a look at this. None of us, unless we are police officers, knows what it's exactly like to be in the line of fire, being on the job, having to pull your weapon, all the stress that comes with being a cop. We don't know what that's like unless you actually are a cop in the very same situation that this individual was. However, two things I want to point out. This one individual, Deputy Santiago Miranda, was a convicted felon. Aggravated assault with a weapon and burglary back in 2008. Very interesting how this individual became a deputy. That logic kind of falls short on me. And the New York Times has this article saying that basically he made a claim that he needed to shoot at this car to stop this deadly attack that was coming at him. But the issue is, is when you watch it, it doesn't look that dangerous. It doesn't look that deadly. And in fact, if a car were coming at me, and my first thought is, this is a deadly moment, I wouldn't take the time to unload an entire clip from a gun into the car. I would jump if there was no time to run. I would run if there was time. I would do anything other than unload an entire clip. That's just me, and you could say that's an armchair quarterback, you know, or a Monday morning quarterback, somebody who's calling what they would have done in a football game the day after when they know not what kind of stress there is in the game. So I'm not going to pretend like I understand. However, if I were a police officer, it would and should be my number one duty to be able to keep my calm and make the correct decision instead of making the first resort, not the last resort, the use of deadly force. There is going to be a rally down in Cocoa, Florida. And this rally will happen on Wednesday in the name of these two boys that were killed and in the name of justice. Because, I'm sorry to say, but we hear these stories all the time now. White officers killing black men, right? It goes back so far that it goes back before conventional media. But the issue is, what is the narrative that will be attached to it once it becomes politicized? These things are always politicized. Actually, all of this year, since George Floyd lost his life, we've seen nothing but riots. We've seen a lot of chaos. If this is about race, we really do need to address that. If it is just rampant that white people hate black people, that it's all pervasive, and every single media news outlet cannot figure out anything but the same exact narrative to spit at us, to make us believe that we hate one another? Or is this a narrative intentionally caused for us to divide ourselves from one another? Now, the reason why I want to put that to you, other than the fact that I'm pretty sure I'm going to be called a conspiracy theorist for even bringing this up, but if you do your homework, you might know that just about every single major news agency is owned by fewer and fewer hands year by year by year. This is something that has been very much so talked about over the past couple decades as the monopoly has closed its grip around media. But we need to be at least a little cognizant of the fact that this might be word magic. The narratives that are exactly the same from one channel to the next 
all these media stations saying the same thing almost at the same exact pace with all these colors going on at the bottom and the news sounds coming in and out and flashing these pictures of all the chaos and all the sadness and all the strife in order to do what? Well, we know that brainwashing is actually a thing that can happen, yet for some reason we have no doubt in our minds that our leaders do not engage in any of that. Even though you can go to CIA directors from the 1970s and 80s saying that their main agenda is disinformation and control of the media. Why? Because the narrative is the most crucial part of us handing over our consent. And I'll get to that in a second. Did you know that in Australia, there's an emergency act that was passed under the threat of COVID-19 that gives authorities the right to remove a child from any premise, any place, vehicle or vessel to a hospital or quarantine facility as the authorized officer thinks fit and can use such force as is reasonably necessary. Okay, the last story that I just told you was how police officers don't always think the most logical. And for sure, that's in the middle of a highly intense situation. However, let's not pretend that a moment where a parent's child is being threatened to be taken away from them is not a highly intense moment. I know many people that would resort to violence if that were the case. Now, if somebody were physically resorting to violence, do you think the officer on the other receiving side of that would be super calm and collected and like a Buddha, making the most calm choice that they could possibly make, fully informed with Socratic logic? Or could those officers be just as foolhardy as the case I showed you out of Florida? This is really why I brought up that whole thing about the officer themselves. Are officers the best people to be making this decision? I don't think so. So what does that mean for Australians? Well, I know a lot of people who are pushing back against this already, but it seems like Australia is a test bed for a lot of what might be going on in Canada and might eventually want to happen throughout the rest of the modern world. I have a friend in Germany who sent me some news on what's happening there in Berlin in what's called lockdown light that started on November 2nd, the day before the elections here in the US. And here's some footage of them peacefully protesting. There she is. That's Leslie, my friend who sent me this information. She told me that anyone who questions the official narrative, meaning the exact wording of the problem, is lumped into the category of Nazi. Very interesting. Let's go back in time a little bit. Less than 100 years ago, it was the rise of the Nazis. And then, World War II. They get defeated, and Operation Paperclip, which most people don't know about, a lot of the high-level ranking people on the Nazi side in the SS were actually taken to places in South America and North America, and guess what? Not just put into hiding, but given very high-level jobs in intelligence and in science here in this country as well. So beyond that, less than 100 years later, here we see that there's this rise of people being called neo-Nazis, where the rise of the Nazis started. And now 
if you don't follow the narrative, you're called a Nazi. So how do all these people called the Nazis carry out horrific things? How do humans do these things to other humans that we today were in school and we're like, I don't understand how anyone could be so terrible to someone else. But it happened and we learned about it. Why? To not repeat the mistakes of the past. So all I'm really trying to say here is it happened because those people were following the narrative. It's all about the narrative. If you get a narrative stuck in your head, then you are told this is right. I'm allowed to do it. I'm given the authority from above me. Law and morality, they're the same thing, right? This is the trap that most people fall into. So this is the trap that we seem to be falling into now. Why are we supposed to follow the narrative to a T? Do you guys know anything about magic? Do you know anything about the spoken word in magic? It's not like you could just point a stick at somebody and say, Expellianus! You have to actually mean what you say. And in order to mean what you say, you really have to cultivate that feeling inside you. You have to own the feeling. And in owning it, in focusing your consciousness and your attention so directly with such discipline into exactly what it is you're looking to do, you actually make the phenomena that happens inside you transcend space and time into the entangled quantum web and it can happen in real life. It doesn't happen like you see in Hollywood. That's literally there to make you feel like magic is some kind of woo-woo hocus-pocus. When in reality, magic is becoming the magic on the inside and focusing and directing your intent. If you've never seen Aikido masters or even hypnotherapists use the power of their eyes by looking deeply into yours and in a sense, programming you with that communication that we know happens from the face, from the body language, from subtle movements, subtle changes and fluctuations in our voice. This is magic. Now, this is also where it becomes really cool because we have such power to cultivate something that isn't yet and make it so. In shamanic societies, they would, let's say, the peyoteros, they would gather the community. And doing peyote was typically a community event. And they would gather around inside the teepee. They had very structured ways of doing what they do. You enter at one point. You never walk in a counterclockwise fashion. It's always clockwise going around. If you get up, you have to follow the same route. This is magic. And then they include things like, obviously, peyote and tobacco and other types of herbs. And in that, in the introduction of plant medicines that can put you in a certain state with the drumming and all of these formulas put together, it causes coherence among the group. The whole group comes into a form of hive mind. And in that, they can produce results that no one individual could. So this is the power of groups. However, we can do this for anything we wish. So now let's take a look at the next five, 10 years. Instead of thinking of some Orwellian, dark, grim winter that we're stepping into, let's take a look at what it could be. Charles Eisenstein has this idea of a gift economy. 
And in this gift economy, without getting into all the nitty gritty, it's basically understanding that we don't need a hundred lawnmowers for a hundred families because usually that lawnmower is just sitting in the garage or sitting in the shed, not doing anything. And there's hundreds of them. Why? Because we're prosperous. I can. I can own it. Now, that's not to say you can't own one if your neighbor has one. But the whole idea is we don't need to exploit the earth and all of its richness in order for every family to be able to say, I'm prosperous. I have a lawnmower too. So the idea is gift economy comes from the heart. It comes from saying, I have and you need. Let's solve this problem together. No other agency other than nature, the universal supreme intelligence, and you and I can solve this very problem. When something else needs to interject and get a little of theirs, that's where the problem comes in. The whole interest model starts to make this entire social contract about something other than what we think it's about. And we're all deluded into thinking that this interest-based model is for the benefit of the people. It's not, and it never has been. But there's also these other ideas like Ubuntu, Michael Tellinger, which is contributionism. The whole idea that you'll hear from him is three hours of work a week. And in that three hours of work, you can, in a community, produce so much that you can take these goods and services and sell them to neighboring communities for cheaper than anywhere else will give them to you. In effect, using money, using this model to effectively destroy capitalism. Now, I don't like using the terms destroy capitalism. I like the idea, if I'm playing Monopoly, I don't need to destroy the game if I see you playing chess over there. I can simply leave it the way it is and go over there. And if that's truly attractive to everybody else, then what will happen is Monopoly will be rendered obsolete. It's a tool that's just not used anymore because there's a better one that is always used because everyone sees it once we are in that hive mind. However, I also understand that when people think peyote, they mean you're taking drugs and you're thinking like everybody else, that's a cult. What do you think the current economic state of affairs is? What do you think listening to the media, which gets its doctrine and its narrative directly from people you will never meet and I will never meet? That's a cult. We've drank the Kool-Aid without there actually having to be physical Kool-Aid. That's the power of word magic. So all I'm saying is we need to step into this power. We need to imagine what we can do with it for good. And once we understand that, we need to assemble the elders. We need to gather the tribes. We need to come together, sit in council, whether digitally or physically, we can all respect each other's beliefs and still fall under the same umbrella. We are doing something different than the top-down pyramid structure model 
is doing. We are going to do something other than how the biggest industries are polluting the planet and are not taking care of the little people. We are going to do something other than wage war in order to coerce other nations to give us their resources for a cheaper price or to stop rolling out different technologies and different ideas that might undermine what we're doing in this nation over here. We need to get over this whole idea that because we have different color skin, that because we live in a different plot of land, that because we have different ideas and beliefs, that we aren't brothers and sisters, mothers and fathers, children of the earth. I know that sounds very woo-woo to some people. I know this language may not fall directly on the ears of some people who simply want to have their science and eat it too. What I am saying is we don't live in a strictly scientific, analytical, intellectual world. There's something else going on here. And I believe it's an artistic revolution. And in that revolution is also a revolution of consciousness. But it will not be such a thing if we do not use our voice. We need to use our voice. We can't simply take one of those annoying memes that you might have gotten that says, Dear Facebook, I do not allow you to blah, 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 use my likeness, use my data. Now go ahead and repost and retweet and share out to your social media. Because that didn't come from your energy. That didn't come from your belief structure. It wasn't crafted by your soul and your creativity. It wasn't your voice at all. It was just super easy for you to go click and bam, everybody else has it. What I'm talking about is magic. And I implore you, please look into this deeper. You are going to start seeing that there are solutions galore on benjosephstewart.com. And if you can donate and you can help this news program along, then these mystery school masterclass teachings will come at you even faster. And we will be able to solve any and all of these problems as a group, as a global family. I really hope you guys can heed this call. I hope you guys didn't take any of this too seriously, but just seriously enough. And I hope you guys understand that all the power lies in your hands. I want to see you guys here next time on Waking Infinity News.